I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. I'm in the call and I'm joined by my usual guests of Alan Morrison and Jiko James. On today's show, we're going to be looking back at Celtic's 3-1 win over 10-man Hibernian at the weekend. We're going to be talking about Lee Labada and his future at the club. And of course, we're going to be chatting about how Mikey Johnson is now the future of Celtic, now that he's lighting it up for the Republic of Ireland. <laughs> welcome along to the show. Welcome along to anybody who's watching on YouTube. And uh, welcome along to anybody who's listening on podcast in uh, the aftermath of this live stream. Alan, James... You're very welcome along. Uh, Alan, of course, Mikey Johnson, like there's talk about Leila Bada leaving the club. Mikey Johnson is there. He's ready to step up into that position <laughs> and he's ready to light it up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 20, 20 minute cameo at home to Latvia and it's all it's suddenly using new Liam scales, right? So <laughs> listen, you know, <laughs> look, I, I, I think I said to you before the show, uh, nothing I'd love more than Celtic to have a first eleven of young Scottish, you know, or Irish, or you know, but young, you know, young young Scottish local local players, you know, but unfortunately, um, that's not what the way of modern football. Um, Mikey Johnson's twenty three. He's been on loan in I think it's Vitoria Guimarães in Portugal all season. I think he's maybe started eight games um, all season. Uh, he's declared for. Republic of Ireland. He's obviously had a good good twenty minutes against Latvia, as I said. So that's great for him. But you know, is he the future of Celtic? Um, you know, listen. Uh, as I've said many times on this pod, Ange Postecoglou isn't a difficult person to read. He's not. He's not. He doesn't play funny games. You know, Mikey Johnson's twenty three. He's out on loan for the season. He's not. He doesn't appear to have a future at Celtic. Sadly, um, as much as you know, he has some great moments. And has got some, you know, magic twinkly feet. Um, I just don't think there's the game intelligence there, the decision making, the final third um, impact that, that you need from somebody uh, at that level, unfortunately. So, as with the other eleven, ten, or eleven players, whatever it is that are out on loan at the moment, I don't see any of them making a, a long-standing uh, uh, impact on the Celtic first team, unfortunately, including Mikey. Sad to say. If people don't know what I'm talking about, um, Mikey Johnson has switched allegiances from Scotland to the Republic of Ireland and he made his debut for them against Latvia on Wednesday night. And he came off the bench, immediately made an impact, uh, made a bursting run into the box, hit the post, and the deflection went into the or the rebound went into the net. And then just look up Mikey Johnson, Ireland, and you will see an amazing dribble from him um, about 20 minutes into his cameo for, for Ireland. It was absolutely phenomenal stuff. And I'm right back on the Mikey Johnson buzz uh, for the rest of the year. So get used to listening to me talk about him. Unless, of course, he does absolutely nothing against France on Monday night, if he even plays against France. No pressure. I will be denouncing him as no a pressure. fraud once more. Uh, look, no, we're, we're not going to talk about Mikey Johnson for the next hour. We're going to be talking about Celtic's win over Hibernian. And it was looking a bit... A little bit iffy at times at Celtic Park um, at the weekend. Celtic went 1-0 down and then um, a couple of goals in the second half. Oh, getting a goal and doing his own uh, Georges Giacomacchus celebration. He's equally as ripped as the Greek was uh, during his time at Celtic. And then 
Haksibanovic scoring his signature goal, cutting in on off the left hand side and curling it into the far corner. You know, it's, I'm not going to say it's like Aaron Robin playing uh, on the right <laughs> wing in his peak, but it's similar to that. Uh, Alan, uh, general thoughts on the game, general thoughts on the win. Um, it def- definitely wasn't a vintage Celtic performance, but I mean, there was a couple of let's say, uh, factors that you have to consider when, it, when you're considering the kind of performance that this was. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I suppose it was in some ways um, interesting that there was quite a bit of jeopardy in the game, obviously going a goal behind even even against you know, 10 men. Um, hips were very, uh, very rigid, really, in their 5-3-1 sort of block, uh, as they had been in their 5-4-1 block, actually. But and, and, and Hibs are a decent passing team, actually. They've they, they got some good good footballers uh, there. Um, and, you know, I think Hanlon at the back is particularly good at delivering, you know, the, the, the trademark long delivery on top of on top of Greg Taylor's head, which, my goodness, did they try and melt that. <laughs> I mean, every single time David Marshall got the ball, he simply launched it straight at, Mike, at uh, Greg Taylor's head. Um, but, no, listen, so there's a bit of jeopardy in the game. It was a bit um, stuffy. For a while, Celtic also got a penalty, got back into it. I think the penalty was both penalties were absolutely you know, fine, no, no no issue with them. I mean, Starfelt. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you if you did if, if, I, if you did something equivalent to that in your work, something as negligently stupid as that in your work. I mean, there are some jobs in life where if you were as equally negligently stupid in your job. You know, somebody would lose a hand or an arm. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, what are you doing? You know, if for, if you can, if for 80 minutes, he can be front foot, aggressive, win his headers, you know, be incredibly difficult to get past. And, but he, almost every game, he has a moment like that where he just does something like that. I mean, it was just so brainless. I mean, it was absolutely the right decision to give a penalty. Of course it was. But, you know, I just, I don't, what do you say about an incident like that? It's just, it's just so frustrating. I I, ha- I actually have to disagree with you here. I think that both the penalty calls were wrong, including the Cameron Carter-Vickers one. The the Starfelt one, it's stupid, but it's incredibly, incredibly soft. Like, how many times out of 10 are you seeing that really given? Unless the player goes down, in which case it usually is called back. You're probably looking at maybe twice out of 10 that penalty is given on a regular basis. And then the Cameron Carter Vickers one, he slips. He like yeah, there's contact, but he slips. That's the, you know, for me it wasn't a penalty for Celtic. And then the David Marshall one, when I wa- I watched that back again and I genuinely I burst out laughing that that wasn't given as a penalty. I mean, it was absolutely a stonewall, as stonewall penalty as I've ever seen in my life. And you know what I'm like here? I don't like discussing, you know, penalties and decisions and refs and bar, but like it's unavoidable with this match, I think. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. So the um, the, the Yorkshire Whistler wouldn't agree with you. So um, on either of the two penalty decisions, I mean, to me, the the Starfelt one, it's it's a bit like the other thing. And this is going back to sort of grassroots and kids football coaching that sort of thing. Is if you put your hands on someone's back, it's an easy, easy decision to give. Similarly, if you can quite visibly see someone's shirt pulling away from their body, it's a simple decision to give. No one is going to complain about that. And, and that was very much it. With Carter Vickers, I agree. But again, Hanlon's puts his arm around him. It's an easy decision to make. It's a it's a dumb decision by Hanlon's part. And on the and on the, uh, the David Marshall one, Leela Bada literally falls over his own feet and crashes into David Marshall. He literally he just loses his footing and falls flat on his face. It's just, you know, there's no way in the world that was a penalty. I don't, I don't know what you mm. saw there. <laughs> I mean, what, yeah. I mean what, what caused what caused the batter to fall over? He fell over literally, you know, sort of seven, six, seven yards in front of David Marshall, and then and then careers into him because he's tripped over his own feet. What did David What did David Marshall do to cause that situation? He dived in. Yeah, but, but, but you know, in, was already, intent, was already falling in, over. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, it doesn't matter if a player's on the ground. If you slide in and hit a player on the ground, it's still a foul. I think if you've fallen over, it's kind of all bets are off in that sense. You know what I mean? You're not. You're, you're, he's, David Marshall sliding in on the assumption he's going to tackle somebody with the ball. If that person then falls over, you know what I mean? It's not David Marshall's fault. The falling over happened before the Marshall slide. Yeah, the the, the two things I'll add is um, 
on the Starfelt penalty, to me, you know, people were saying, well, if you call if you call a shirt grab a penalty, it's going to happen every corner. Uh, to, to Alan's point, it wasn't just a shirt grab. It was a grab. The, the guy moved away. <laughs> he held it as he moved away, and it looked like a tent coming off of the guy. So yeah. it was the duration and the obviousness yeah. of it that I think, you know, made it pretty much um, – Stonewaller, uh, in my opinion, again, uh, and again, I, you know, you get, you get people bunker down into their, uh, camps on Starfelt cause he's one that still kind of, I think splits the support from a, an opinion perspective. Uh, so again, this is where we have some statistics to try and offer some measure of, of, um, where things land in reality. And th- this is league games since, so it's 54 and a half 90 minute periods. So that's all league games he's been in since he's been at Celtic. If you benchmark him across all of the leagues that StatsBomb covers, he's in the 21st percentile in errors, right? So that means, you know, 100th percentile is good. <laughs> 21st percentile is is not good. Um, and as Alan has pointed out, actually a disproportionate amount of his errors has been in cup games. That's where he's had some real shockers, and that's not even in that. So that that's mostly in games where Celtic are completely dominating, steamrolling people in an era under Ange where, you know, other than those first maybe, and again, some of that he front loaded, you know, he had a rough couple of games. But again, e- even if you account for that, you back that out, you're still talking, you know, not great um, yeah. as far as committing those kind of errors. And that, that goes, that's not even talking about all the balls that he gives away. Again, that Allen's talked about where he just one or two times a game, he seems to just, have one of those passes where it's, you know, inexplicable uh, to, to a pressing member of the opposition. I I wonder, does the type of team that Celtic are in comparison to the league, does that play into how far up he is on the error list? Because I mean, if you think about the way that, um, think of it from a goalkeeping situation. So Joe Hart, for example, doesn't face that many shots. So do you want him to be a better shot stopper or do you want him to be better on the ball? Is it like a weighing thing that Celtic are doing here with Starfelt that, you know what? No, that's a great decent. Yeah. Let me, let me read the definition of what the metric is. How many errors the player makes per 90 minutes An error is an on the ball mistake that led to a shot. Right. So you, you, this would actually be the opposite of that end up meaning that, because Celtic are so rarely defending in their own third in the league, you know, a lot of his errors, and actually he's been very good in possession. And, you know, generally speaking in the attacking half, I think he's, he's come on and made vast improvements uh, to his credit. Um, So this is purely, you know, more central to our box and making errors that result in a shot by the opposition. So all of that makes that metric, I would argue, even more, even worse. Yeah. Oh my God, way worse yeah. because there's so. I've few got it. Times... I've got it backwards. Yeah. So you, you yeah. if you're dominant in the game, you your defenders should be making way less errors. Really. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's a bit uh, like saying you know on stats where a lot of people make the mistake of saying you know I'm not oh, right. I say Ryan Kent. I'm, I'm not going to just pick on Ryan Kent. Ryan Kent or or Jota. <laughs> oh look, they're in the 98th percentile for dribbles completed. Well, of course they fucking are. They're playing for the two most dominant teams in the league. So in that in that context, it's actually meaningless, really. If you were a Premier League side looking, oh, should I buy Ken or should I buy Jota? Well, they're both 98%. They're the same. It's meaningless. It's absolutely, literally meaningless in that context. And that's, this is one of those. This is one of the, what James is saying absolutely spot on. He should be near the top of that list because simply because he doesn't have to do a lot of defending. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- th- there's a, a comment coming from... Uh, Richie, who says that it's about concentration, he loses loses his concentration at some point during the match every game, and I I, I do agree with that. I do think there are moments where he does lose his concentration. <clears throat> and again, I, I'm sorry for all the international talk, but it is an international week. But uh, <laughs> last night when Ireland were leading Latvia two nil, they got very very comfortable on in the game, and the three defenders Andrew Omabamadele, Dar O'Shea, and um. Collins got him having a brain fart here now, but the third event, they were very, very Nathan Collins. Yes. They were very, very lax in possession. They were, they were, and they're three very good ball playing uh, defenders, but they were very lax in possession. They were making stupid errors. They were losing the ball. They were being dispossessed. They were giving the ball away. And Ray Houghton, who was on commentary said that sometimes the game is just too easy. And 
defenders in these situations in ball playing games can just completely forget about what their main objective is. And that's being solid in defense and not doing anything stupid. And maybe that's what's happening with Starfelt here is that Celtic is just so dominant that his concentration does go out the window every now and again. It's, it's partly that. It's also the other, thing, other aspect. I think this, that probably accounts for some of his errors. A lot of his errors are down to just being... It's the, it's the nature of how he defends. He's, he's, he's very aggressive and he's very front foot. So, so those, are, those are two very positively loaded terms I've just used there. But the downside to being a defender that plays that way is that sometimes you can get caught under the ball, which he does. And sometimes you can try and win headers or win challenges that you cannot win. And you just, sometimes you just have to let the, the attacker get the ball, physically put pressure on them, and then just defend from there, rather than thinking you can intercept it or get your leg round or get your head in front of them or whatever it is. And he's just he's he's he's, he's the sort of defender I don't like because he's he's over optimistic. He always thinks he can he can impact the game. I like defenders that are incredibly pessimistic. They always think, "What's the worst that can happen?" And I will position myself to mitigate that. And then if it do, if it doesn't happen, it's fine. If it does, I'm prepared for it. He always expects to win the ball. And when he doesn't, mm. it generally means he's then putting other people in a, in a very difficult situation. And, and yeah, so and, and yeah, so, might be this, Sorry, cool. so so again, let, let let me just put a little bit more context on this. So, um, so if you do, this is only a little over seven games, minutes wise, and ninety minute equivalents was in the Europa League last season. So it includes Jablonic and the Alkmaar um, qualifying games, as well as the, I think he ended up hurt and he didn't play all of the group group games but I think he had like three games he played in the group um so his error rate was in the first percentile so and it was four times worse than it is in his tenure in the league so again and then we've got that and that's what we have measurable that's not even counting the cup games where again he's had some issues so I the weight of the evidence at this point it's I think it's difficult to argue the sample size is large enough across the different competitions I think that you know playing at Celtic in this system just generally for whatever reason and I you know Alan's more of an expert on uh, an explanation on on uh, some of the technical aspects obviously um that you know he he is prone to errors it's just you know it's hard to argue and get away from that and at a rate that's significant it's it's not yeah. insignificant it kind of reminds me a little bit of a former Liverpool partnership in defense in Virgil van Dijk and Dejan Lovren because Dejan Lovren is very similar to Kyle Starfeld in that he's an aggressive front-footed defender who, you know, jumps into tackles, goes for headers. And that doesn't necessarily make him a bad defender, but it does make him much more prone to making errors and misjudging a tackle and getting caught out in the ball and potentially overestimating his ability on the ball at times as well. And then you, put him beside Virgil van Dijk, who's just the complete opposite of that. And he's so composed, barely puts a foot wrong. Well, he did at the time when they was playing beside Lovren. And he's just the complete opposite to what they are. And when if you put Cameron Carter-Vickers beside Karl Starfeld, who very, very rarely does anything wrong, then Starfeld's mistakes are going to look far worse because Cameron Carter-Vickers would not make that same mistake. I think... Yeah. It's it's definitely some some of this is a little bit of uh, perception. Well, and, and also there's a little bit of self fulfilling prophecy in that it, it's it's overwhelmingly the case that as as I sort of joked about with with David Marshall launching long balls badly on top of Greg Taylor's head is is that virtually every team in the league, you know, even even in the League Cup final against the Rangers, every team in the league launches long balls onto Greg Taylor or Starfield because for that very reason, that is the weakest part of Celtic's team. And therefore, there is more opportunity to make errors. I mean, they don't bother launching long balls at, you know, Johnston and Carter Figures because what's the point? They're very rarely going to make a mistake, but then they, they have relatively less defending to do. And so they're going to make less mistakes, right? So there's a little bit of that you have to factor in as well is that, you know, just by the fact that they've got so much more defending to do. And I think Statsbomb had quite a nice... Um, graphic, which I think I shared in the week, was showing the areas that Celtic have to defend in, and the sort of you know it was like color coded. So red meant lots of activity, and dark blue or black meant you know just like the sea of calm. And you know the Carter Vickers area was just like 
you know, there is no wind, there is no tide, <laughs> you know, there is nothing happening here at all. And then you know, the sort of Starfelt Taylor area is kind of bright red, you know, flashing lights sort of thing. It was very, very much like that. Yeah. Um, the title of this live stream is Jota on the Wing, Abada Out the Door, I think, uh, something like that. Um, so we're going to be chatting about Leila Bada and his contract situation later on. But just to finish on the Hibs win, one of the standout players in this game was definitely Jota, Alan, and you've been writing about him uh, during the week on your site, Celtic by Numbers. There's been a frustration around Jota in you know games so far in the probably this calendar year, 2023 at least, that maybe his dribbling isn't uh, being as successful as previous has been or, or he hasn't been at the forefront of what Celtic have been doing in attack. But in this game, he was involved in practically everything good the Celtic did going forward. Yeah. Well, as, as we've said many times, said many times is you know, what you get with Jota is you get a lot. You get a lot of everything. So you get a lot of crosses, you get a lot of shots, you get a lot of running with the ball, you get a lot of on-the-ball action. You know, he does, he's not one that, like Maeda, where you have to kind of manipulate him into the game. You know, or, or with Maeda, for example, um, you know, when he gets the ball, unless he can directly run past the defender, he's just really going to recycle it. With Jota, you're always going to get to see him try to do something. Now that has that has you know pros and cons because you know sometimes it, a lot of the time actually a lot of the time it's not going to come off. Okay, so you know a lot of crosses are going to get flashed across and no one's going to be on the end of them. A lot of shots from outside the box are going to fly over the bar, etc. A lot of dribbles are going to end up going nowhere, right? But what he what he what he does have is he has an, a sort of in, indefatigable. Um, uh, optimism. So this is exactly what I was saying about Starfoot, right? What I want to see in my wingers and my strikers is un, you know, unquestion, unquenchable reservoirs of optimism. As in, if I go at this guy and, it, and I get tackled or I run the ball out of play, I get the ball next time and I do it again and I do it again. And if I'm a striker, I keep me at Kyogo. You know, I've made 20 runs, I've not had a sniff of the ball, but I go again and I go again. That's what you want from your attacking players. You want that optimism that it only takes that one time for it to come off and you've changed the game. That's what you need. So, he, and he does that, right? And, and But what we've seen this season is quite a drop-off, really. If you just look at the most basic metrics of expected goals, expected assists. So, last season, his average over 90 minutes of expected goals, expected assists was 0.84. So that's 0.84 expected goals or assists uh, per 90 minutes, which is, for a wide player is, is fantastic. This season, you know, it was down at, um, it was down at about 0.6, 0.7 before he got injured in October, and it dropped down to 0.5 um, since he's come back from that injury. I don't know if that's related, because he wasn't out for a long time. So I don't know if it was the injury, but it seemed to me like he, he wasn't as, he seemed to have lost a yard of pace. I don't know if that's just a, one of these perception things that you have that have arrived at that conclusion because his numbers aren't great. Therefore, I've concluded he's lost the yard of base. But he just he just didn't look as quick to me. Um, I, I don't know if his confidence was was eroded. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the, I honestly don't know what the reason for it is. But there's no doubting to me that his, his performance levels have dropped off. But what we've seen in the last two games at um, at Hearts in the cup and then you know on, on Saturday against Hibs is a return to. To that, to that Jota that we know and love from last season, which is just an absolute volume monster, just you know, ridiculous number of things that he is he is doing. I mean, you know, some of the stats were crazy. I mean, he had sixteen touches in the box. Well, his, his previous high all season would have been ten. You know, he had um, he lost the ball twenty one times, right? So I mean, that, losing the ball, you might think it's not a good thing, but it means he's trying things. He's trying to be creative. The previous high in the season. Would have been, you know, seventeen. You know, he had over two point two point one expected goals and assists. Now, I know you've got to take a penalty out of that, obviously, which is, by the way, an absolutely awful penalty. But you know, so you, you've got to factor that in. But still, his expected goals, expected assists in the last two games have been up and beyond even last season. So it looks like, hopefully, two games in a row. I don't know if, is that a trend? Is that significant? But at least you know, there's signs there that he's getting back to. The player that mm. was pretty consistent last season, to be fair to him, pretty consistent. Um, yeah. I, 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 you know, my last word on Jota is that I did, I did an analysis where I was trying to work out a very, and, and James will shoot me down here for doing sort of bad stats, but I was what I was trying to do was to sort of say, 
Can 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 we quantify how much harder the Champions League is to the Scottish Premier League? And and what I what, what I very crudely worked out was that most players' stats, and this is over only over six games, remember, so it's a really small sample. So this is why it's probably one reason why it's bad stats. But in general, most players' productivity from an attacking perspective dropped between about thirty and forty percent. And the players the player whose productivity dropped the least at Champions League level was Jota. So which which yeah. led me to, to say that even if you even if you disagree with the numbers, the trend I think is is reasonable, is that he was the one player that got close to being at the level and maintaining his level of performance at that. Now whether that took it out of him or whether he just couldn't recapture that after that Champions League campaign, I don't know. But as mm. I say, last two games, hopefully we'll start to see him get back to that level. Well, before we touch on Jota, because I think you've raised a very interesting point there, uh, Alan, I just want to go back to something that you said there. There's only actually two types of penalties, a good penalty, which goes in, and a bad penalty that does not go in. So Jota's went in, it's a good penalty. It's fine. That's all that matters. Um, but no, James, Alan really, that's a, a really interesting point that Alan's raised about this, it's pretty much about the scalability of talent in within the Celtic squad. Now we've spoken about scaling up the game plan and things like that. But if you if you look at the Celtic squad over the last number of years, like Juranovic, for example, would have been the player that you picked out as, you know, he made a couple of mistakes in the Champions League, yes, but his quality and his skills scale up to a higher level. They they he stands out as the player most likely to bring it up to another level. And he has done that in the Bundesliga. Uh, Frimpong, you know, left and has done the same with Bayer Leverkusen, albeit as a right winger as opposed to a right back that Celtic were playing him in. Jota is another one of those players that you look at the overall quality of the team. And yes, there are players who have been really important for us and really good in the Scottish League. But you do look at them as potentially having a ceiling that is below Champions League level. Whereas I think Jota is definitely one of those players. He's still young. He's got skill. He's got the ability where you think, yeah, he's probably the most likely to scale it up to another level beyond what he's currently doing. Yeah, I, I think that um, I agree. I think it also makes sense relative to pedigree and that uh, I believe I mean, it's nip and tuck with uh, CCV, but I think he's right there as far as the most expensive player. So, again, if you think of his age, the amount of money that was spent on him, the fact that he came through Benfica, I mean, that all kind of adds up that you would expect him to be at, at that kind of upper tier. Um, but, yeah, and it, his attacking, he, he had a, a good attacking Champions League. And, he, and I, what I would say is he seemed up for it, meaning that he seemed like a, someone who responded to the challenge and, you know, the platform. Um you know, someone excited to kind of show what they can do and just get. So I think in the league this year, he's um, averaging like three and a third dribbles. Uh, and in, it was only three games that he had in the Champions League minutes wise. Um, I'm assuming that was because of subs. Um, but uh, so 3.3 90 minute blocks he had. He averaged 5.4 dribbles. So, again, that's an idea. You know, we, we didn't have anywhere near the amount of ball that um we we wouldn't domestically and yet he was still taking players on uh very aggressively kind of front-footed um my concern's been and continues to be how he fits relative to Celtics uh kind of defensive setup and and how effective he can be at the Champions League level relative to kind of implementing um the game plan that that Ange has for for uh the defensive setup but um and I think that was also reflected in the Champions League. Is is a lot of his metrics weren't great there, but um, but yeah, he you know he he should be able to attack and perform at that level creatively, and so far so good because he did it last year in the, in the Europa League again, even against Leverkusen and um, and Betis. So there, there's certainly you know it wasn't just the Champions League this year. He's building up kind of a portfolio of, of performing at that level. Yeah. So before we move on to Leila Bada, who's been in the news for probably the wrong reasons in Celtic's head, um, anything you just want to touch on before we move on from the Hibs game? No, I, you know, um, I, I just, it, it's almost becoming comical now how predictable everyone's setup is. 
<laughs> that was well, that was going to be my opening joke. Enda, what what uh, what shape do you think uh, Hibs are in for the game? You know, well, it's it's, it's it's also like it's it's becoming so predictable how the games have been going as well with that system. Like it got to the point where because I I didn't watch the game live, I watched it back, and I got the notification for Hibs scoring first, and I. T- it didn't even move me. I kind of just shrugged my shoulders and went, ah, it doesn't really mean anything. Celtic is going to come back <laughs> in the game. And they did. And like, and like, fair enough, you'll watch the game back and you're like, okay, that was actually closer than it seemed. But in the same way that the last couple of weeks where Celtic haven't been the team that scored first, it, it, again, it just doesn't move me. I'm just like, mm, Celtic are going to bring on the cavalry and they'll they'll blow them away in the last 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it, um you know, to, to Alan's point, he's referenced earlier. I mean, as far as uh, non-Rangers domestic teams, they're probably the best as far as passing. So, you know, uh, of those that try to play out a little bit from the back, they're the ones most equipped to do it. Um, and when they blended that with, you know. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Pretty well organized uh, pressing setup before the red card. You know, they were making it um, uncomfortable to a degree. But even if they hadn't had the guys sent off, the expectation, I think the reasonable one, is that they probably would have ran out of gas like most teams do. And then, you know, maybe we pull back 2-1 instead of 3-1, that kind of thing. But the the other thing that has to be said, I mean, you know, Marshall is still a decent shot stopper. Um, He's uneven. He's got some inconsistency issues there. uh, and, And that's been a at least as far back as 15, 16, when I looked at him a while, this is a couple of years ago, um, even before he came to, back to Scotland, um, you know, he's very uneven in his shot stopping. So, you know, he's capable of those games where he pulls off a handful of really, really great saves, but he's also, you know, vulnerable to, I don't know if it's lapse of concentration or whatever, but some, um, some rough games. So, yeah, I mean, he, you know, that could have very easily have been, couple more goals had he not had a pretty decent shot stopping game mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I think the post shot XG was about 3.2 and we can see, he conceded three so he did he's seven saves he did he did okay I think it's fair fair yeah. enough I mean other other notable stats and uh, uh just a couple of check in I mean Kyogo had uh I think um seven shots at goal and completed six passes and this is pretty typical now. <laughs> you know more touches in the box 
than passes, more shots at goal than passes. Um, I used to joke about Lee Griffiths being like that, but this is like another level to that. <laughs> you know, it's just he's just there to score goals. That's all he needs to do. And then another, another. Um, sorry, go. On. No, I was just going to say I'm absolutely okay with that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the team instruction versus fit to of the individual to, to, to do the job being asked of them. And then just another, yeah. Abada, Abada was, we're going to move on to Abada, so maybe uh, we'll segue on that one. But uh, Alistair Johnson, another plus 100 packing performance from him. Um, Jota led the way in that regard, 170. Johnson was next, 137. And then third was Abada on 105. Uh, so a nice little cameo there. And that may segue to the next topic. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about uh, Abada then because that, that I mean that was the news that dominated the Celtic sphere over the last number of days. The rumours are that he has rejected a new contract with Celtic. Now, I say this with a strong asterisk because I don't believe that there's uh, smoke without fire in a large amount of these cases. But if you think about the amount of times that Celtic or a Celtic player has been uh, linked with not signing a new contract and then a month goes down and he signs a new contract. Um, it, like it happens all the time. It's a negotiation no, negotiation tactic a large amount of the time. There's agents work at play a large amount of the time, probably 95 to 99% of the time it's agent work. And these stories don't get out to the press out of nowhere. So that's the asterisk that I'll put beside this. But James, assuming this is true, assuming Lilabada has not signed a new contract, I mean, it, it kind of makes total sense in a way. If there's one player in the team that I was going to pick out that I would say is probably not going to sign a new contract is Lilabada because he has three years left in his current deal. He's a young player who's playing international football, who's played Champions League football, who scored in big games for Celtic and was linked with moves away last summer. He's going to be linked with moves away this summer. If I'm his agent, I'm saying, no, you're absolutely not signing another two to three year deal with Celtic because they're not going to pay you enough and somebody else will pay you that amount of money. Yeah, and I, um, if I, my memory serves, I think he changed agents not too long ago too. I think I'd read that somewhere, um, which again is, is something that oftentimes happens when people are making career shifts in sports. Um, you know, players uh, seek out a different kind of agent for a different purpose. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've talked about that this coming summer. Now I, I think his playing time generally, um, he's, he's made a lot of appearances. He's played a lot of minutes, but he hasn't started as much this season. So from, again, just from a profile perspective, that's probably less than ideal going into trying to shop him this summer. Um, but just from a, you know, two seasons, young player, Plays very well, posts eye-watering statistics, puts their two seasons in, sell them. Like that should be just generically the timeline. Um, now he was on the low, the younger end of that, you know, um, uh, spectrum coming in at 19, and I think he'll be um, 22 later this year. <clears throat> so I, I wouldn't be upset if he stayed one more year, obviously, but. Um, you know, if the player wants to go, as Alan has said um, many times, that you know that's it, you're either all in or you're not in at all. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it makes sense for everybody involved, assuming that you know um, the club are able to attract a fee that's you know reasonable. And, and this is where it's interesting. I think you know, he's a classic example of where I suspect you'll get a pretty big fracture in um, the market, meaning that clubs that are more traditional in their scouting approach, because he's such an eyesore at times, you know, people are just going to say, no way, this guy's not even any good. And then, you know, I'm I'm, uh, uh, being hyperbolic there, but um, the flip side of that is people that are using more advanced statistics so that, that he'll hit screens, he'll hit things. And then, you know, again, if they're a little bit more nuanced than how they look at things. Um, so I think you depend, I think it'll say a lot about who ends up signing him. I wouldn't be surprised if it's somebody even on the continent, not necessarily in England. Um, 
I would be surprised to see him to go somewhere in, you know, in, in France or in Italy, um, you know, like an Atalanta type. I'm not saying Atalanta, but somebody like that who's a little bit more forward thinking on analyzing players because he, he's not a straightforward, simple case. Um, there is nuance to his, his, his profile, let's call it. Yeah, well, there's a comment in here that says that Abada running with the ball looks like Bambi trying to walk for the first time. Um, and another another person says that he's he's very wasteful, that they wouldn't want a winger who can't cross their team. Alan, I, th- I think this depends on your definition of wasteful because on the ball and face, facing frontwards towards a player or with loads of time to dribble at someone, Abada is a, an incredibly wasteful player. But in a split-second decision at the back of the post to fire the ball into the net, he is incredibly lethal. So I did a bit of a deep dive into Abada in terms of the question I was trying to answer for myself, or for the article I was writing for myself, was, <laughs> nobody will read it, is, um, you know, has basically, has he, very simply, has he improved over last season? And that's just a really very simple apples for apples comparison of key attacking metrics from last season versus this. And one thing I'm very aware that we probably need to start doing, James does it better than I, in terms of context to what we're saying, is, you know, um, I'm using my own data, okay? So why is that important? Well, one of the reasons it's important is because it is apples for apples. So it's the same data set every, every, every year. The second thing is I cover all games. So I cover Champions League, League Cup, FA Cup, Scottish Cup, whatever, league games, etc. A lot of providers don't do the League Cup or the Scottish Cup or they'll split out Champions League and SPFL and you can't get a unified view. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to explain to the listeners that this is the case. So when, because there's increasingly, there's a number, you know, increasing number of people using data and because there's an increasing number of sources of data. And I think it, you know, I feel responsible to sort of explain, therefore, what data am I talking about? Because I think it's important. James always says, Statsbomb says this, or Y Scout says this, and that's and, and, and usually that comes with a caveat of Statsbomb says this, but it's for the SPFL only, or Statsbomb says this, but it's for the Champions League only. Okay, so when, when I'm talking about my own data, I'm talking about everything, all in, all competitions, everything in one big bucket, okay? So the Champions League stuff's all munged in with everything else. Okay, so just, anyway, sorry, that's boring for people, but I think it's important to keep that in mind. So anyway, back to Abada. Um, so a couple of things I want to cover really. One is just his performance in terms of you know this season versus last. And, and then I want to move on to a sort of broader discussion about Celtic's approach to what they're doing with Abada and, and you know this contract offer, if indeed that's that's what happened. So the, the, the comparison of Abada's data from last season to this was frankly uh, stunning <laughs> to me. And I don't often say that uh, because it was just an incredible level of improvement across virtually every single attacking metric you can think of. And indeed, if I look at the metrics where his output is worse than last season, you could almost argue that's a positive. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, for example, he loses the ball more in the final third. So when we're looking at Celtic players, um, as as I probably have said many times now, it's almost impossible now. You've got to really look at it and try and work out how much of what I am seeing is down to the individual abilities of the player and how much of what I am seeing is down to the extraordinary levels of of cohesion that the team is playing under. It's such a strong system of play that Postacoglu has implemented that you know you can you can absorb Starfelt and his brain farts. You can absorb Abada running into a player and just falling over. You can absorb, you know, Greg Taylor launching it 50 yards out of play. You can absorb all those things because the system is so strong. So it's almost as if the way that Celtic are playing makes every... There's an uplift almost that you could apply to every player based on how strong the system is. Having said all that, Abada's numbers are still remarkable in terms of the consistent... And I'm not talking about one or two percentage points improvements in things like the number of shots he's taking in the box, his XG, his XG per shot, number of big chances he's getting on the end of, number of touches in the box, 
the number of crosses he's being successful with, yes, that. The number of chances he's playing, he's, he's creating his expected assists, number of passes he's putting into the danger zone. I'm not talking about 1% or 2%. I'm talking an average of 30 to 40, 40% improvement across all of those metrics, all of them, right? That's extraordinary. Now, it may not be obvious to us because he's not starting. He's only started eight games. And what we have to to say in fairness for context is, number one, what I've just said about just the sheer efficiency of Celtic's attack now means that these attacking metrics for everyone have probably improved. But also, number two, because Abada is coming on as a substitute, mostly as a substitute, he's getting that dividend that I've spoken about where Celtic are absolutely killing teams in the last 20 minutes. And, and everyone who comes on as a sub is racking up magical numbers because the, t- the opposition are knackered and, and, and the, the players that they're replacing are, are no, no worse or better than the players that are coming on. So put all that on the table, right? I would still suggest that here's a player who already had stats that would put him in the top five under-21 players in Europe for attacking threat already. He's now improved by a significant percentage points on that. So I, for me, I would want to keep this player. I really would want to keep this player, Okay. So then we come down to what are Celtic trying to do? Why are Celtic offering somebody with three years left on the contract a new contract knowing that the way that the manager operates is if he refuses that contract, he's, he's essentially out the door. So if, essentially you're playing, you're playing, I don't know what the game is, you know, uh, Jeopardy or whatever. Because what, what, what are the outcomes here? The outcomes are he signs a new contract and we carry on as we were, or he doesn't and suddenly... He's pretty much out. He's out. Because there is no grey area here with Postacoglu. So I don't, I, you know, I, I get that in one some respects and I don't get it in others. But, but you know, mm. I'll just, so I'll just sort of throw it out there for maybe get your guys' perspective on that. Well, I think it's a pure numbers game, really, because the longer the contract, the harder it is for clubs to snatch him for relatively cheap or for him to say, you know what, I've actually only got a year and a half left in this contract. I'll stay one more year and then I'm gone. Um, but also, it's a, it's, I think it's a forward planning thing because if Celtic know that they might get, you know, 500,000 to a million extra on a batter this summer because of the three years that he has left on his contract and immediately he's not, willing to sign a new contract, then they can plan for this summer that, you know what, a bad is not going to be here. We're going to sell him and we're going to need to fill this position. I think it's just, it's pure forward planning in my opinion. And it feels weird. I know it does. I know it's a weird and strange time that we're living in at Celtic where a, Celtic, a player doesn't want to be here, they're gone. Or a player, or position needs to be filled. It's filled six months before that position becomes critical for Celtic. I think that's what this is. I think it's just... I would, wouldn't be surprised if Ange was the one who was pushing this, that, you know what, it's, it might be better to get him out this summer. Let's let's put the feelers out. Let's see what the contract situation is like. And if we can keep him, great. He's got good numbers. But if he doesn't want to be here and if we can't afford him, then we need, need to be looking into that position immediately as somewhere to look at. Or, And this is the final point that it could be, is that maybe it's not this summer. Maybe it's next summer because the best and most successful clubs aren't operating on a summer by summer basis. They're operating on a, a by summer or even a, a, a try summer basis where they have their signing identified for the next year's summer transfer activity. And I wouldn't put it past Ange to be that forward thinking in that, okay, we might not sell about it this summer. Even if he doesn't sign a new contract, he still has three years next summer or next uh, Christmas he's gone and we have got already got our replacement lined up and we've spoken to the player, we've spoken to the club, we've spoken to the agent. Maybe it's another player coming in from the Asian markets uh, where we can bring them in in January and it's already done before a battle leaves. Like that, that potentially could be it as well. So uh, James, what's your general thoughts? Yeah, I, I think the, um, you know, Again, the the thing I I key off of is the fact that the agent changed. So to me, that suggests that the player may want to leave. You know, for whatever reason, people, you know, these are human beings. So maybe he's, I don't know what his personal circumstances are. Maybe he's starting a young family or, you know, uh, maybe he wants to be closer to home uh, for when he's got breaks so he can get back easier. Who knows? 
Uh, maybe he hates the weather. Shocker. I'm sure there's nobody that has that happen to him when they play in Scotland. Um, so yeah, I, I suspect that's probably uh, that. If I had to guess, that would be my guess is that the players decided that he's ready to go, and and doing it in a again a professional way, uh, giving the team plenty of time. Everyone's kind of organized here. You know what I mean? There's there's professional ways to go about this where you don't go in the huff and you know become a problem. You still do your job. You're still a professional. And Celtic gets a fair market value for him. And, you know, again, this is how the model should be working, whether it's this summer or next summer. I think there's reasonable ideal debate from a Celtic perspective. But again, if if he wants to go, then mm. I, I think that, you know, pretty seal pretty much seals the fate, given all that we know about uh, the Ange tenure, that it's going to be this summer. Yeah. And uh, look, I, I don't hold that against him. He's had... No. A couple of good seasons at Celtic. He's played in the Champions League. He scored important goals for Celtic against Rangers. And he's a young guy who's gonna he's probably not earning as much as he will potentially in the future at Celtic and probably, you know, will reach a certain plateau in his career that might not be able to progress any further than that. So I mean and, and he's not he's one of those his job and it, uh, he, he's one of those players where it's never even entered my mind remotely that he's coasting during a game. Like he's, he's, no, I mean, he looked good. You know, I'm saying he's he balls when he came on at the weekend. Yeah. All the yeah. time. Right. So he's, yeah. he's not someone who looks like he's, you know, upset because he's still there or not, you know, putting forth a hundred percent effort. Um, so I, I, I haven't been able to say any change in his, you know, uh, body language or not that I'm looking that close, but you know what I mean? But some of those times you know, players, you know, and Cham showed that quite a bit for quite some time and other players in, in the, in uh, the 2021 season, you could tell, um, you know, when people aren't happy and um, yeah. So it looks to me like this is all kind of working the way it probably should. Yeah. And Cham is just French. So they all kind of look like that at some point in time, even when they're, they're quite happy. <laughs> Crazy. This this is you just being bitter ahead of time for the game this yeah. <laughs> Just to finish then on the Abada situation, James, the Celtic fans, including me, will be saying we should not be selling him for any less than ten to fifteen million. What's your uh, objective opinion on what Celtic will actually get for him? Because I know you generally yeah, I, be, generally tend to be closer than us uh, fanfares. Yeah, I, I think. Um... I'm thinking because of the duration of his contract, I'm eight to 10 would kind of be my guesstimate. Um, just because he's, he is a nuanced player and um, the, the teams that are more likely to be attracted to him are more likely to be the ruthlessly efficient type <laughs> that aren't, you know, going to overpay. Um, so the, the ideal situation is when, you know, you've, you've got the, the dumb money on the other side that you can overcharge for somebody that's actually not that good. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think that's the case here. I actually, um, I would think that it's probably the opposite of that. Um, so we're more likely, and again, these are just examples. I'm not saying he's going to go to these clubs, but the, he's more likely to be a Brentford or a, a Brighton or an Atalanta. Um, and there's those kind of clubs in Belgium now and in, uh, in Holland. So, you know, they're not just in the big league. So could a, could a good, smart, you know, could Alkmaar come in and pay eight to 8 million for um, a Bata? like that? That's the kind of situation that I would think would be more um, likely than, you know, him going for 20 million to Southampton or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- th- think Southie paid around 3 million for him at the time when he came in. So something like that. Yeah. 10 to 12, I think, would be a reasonable return on your investment when it comes to uh, a player that age. Since since most people thought he was another's fed uh, written all over him, um, I think reasonably successful career at Celtic. And, I mean, Celtic haven't sold him yet. I'm acting as if he's already out there. But he, if, they, if he does end up leaving, I, I don't really see any issue with it majorly. Um, anything else you just want to touch on before we finish up the pod for the week? Uh, it's, it's the week... Before the big week, essentially, of Celtic, when next next week, then that could be it. That could be it. That we, we get to get geared up for that again. It's like we're on a, a hamster wheel. These are these are coming fast and furious now. Anything for you, Alan? 
No, I don't think so. Uh, I think we covered everything on my list. Thank you. Okay. Well, in that case, we will uh, wrap the show up for another week. We will be back uh, next week with a re- review of the Ross County game at the weekend. And then we'll also probably try to fit in a preview at some point as well um, over the next couple of weeks for uh, the big game against Rangers coming up. Um, I'm not sure when that is. That is the 8th of third, April. So how, many, how, many week, how many weeks is that away? Is that- Eighth, I think it's the eighth. That's it? right. That's the week yeah, after, so right, right? So, it's, yeah, it's an international week this week, and then uh, we've got uh, Ross County up next, and then we will have Rangers after that. So, the international week has kind of thrown me off, uh, key a little bit. I, I like to base my weeks around the weekend football, and when international football comes in, it just throws me off completely. So, well, that that um, the combination of that, your Mikey Johnston lust, and then your hatred <laughs> for France. All in one week. I mean, this is this is a lot for you. Yeah. Well, somebody actually said in the comments that the the thing that they fear most is the fact that Celtic will sell Lilabada and bring in nobody, and Mikey Johnson will be there next week. And he said that as if it's a bad thing. Said as, as if it's a bad thing. And and uh, you'd literally never mentioned Mikey Johnson at any point <laughs> in your life until the last week. <laughs> He's a new Liam Skills, some will say. And uh, yes, I will be annoying people on Indeed. this podcast. With, <laughs> I agree uh, with that. My, with my Mikey Johnson uh, watch. <laughs> Alan, James, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. And thanks to everybody who watched in the comments as well. This will be available on podcast as well on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast if you want to listen back to it in full. Or you can get it on the YouTube channel as well. Just subscribe to the channel and get notified when we go live. We will be back again next week or the week after, whenever we can. And uh, we'll let you know on Twitter. And we'll chat to you then. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. (laughs) It's all about the game. And how you play it All about your drive And if you can take it All about your death And if you can play it It's all about pain And who's gonna make it I am the game You don't wanna play me I am control No way you can shake me I am heavy death No way you can pay me I am the pain And I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder Ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch From a smoking gun I am the game And I may do so move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, circle, why don't you ask me? Don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play